it's big, slow, it's killing the planet. Yeah. And now it's it's still big and slow, but it's not killing the planet less. <laughs> killing the planet a lot less. Hello, and you're listening to Offscript. Today we're going to be talking about blockchain. So I've accepted that we are officially middle age now because we were just talking about grass. Yeah. So my grass is <laughs> as in the lawn is um yeah, it's very, very patchy. So I put a load of like grow mm. grow quick liquid on it. Yes. All that's happened is the weeds have <laughs> gone for it. Fully gone, yes. Finally been fed and now it's just weeds. <laughs> I mean, I'm by no means a, a grass expert, but uh, one thing I did do is buy uh, enough grass seed to cover 120 square meters and put it in a 10 square meter plot. Yeah. Well, when he first started putting it out, the birds were having it as food, weren't they? So. Absolutely, mastards. Uh, basically, having a fine dining meal on my lawn. Nice. Um, so yeah, they, they 20 quid a pop. <laughs> really quite upsetting. Um, but I set Louis on them, and that seemed to have done the trick. So they were all good. Nice. Um, but I hope you get your grass sorted. Thank you. I understand the stress that, that kind of weighs on you. Difficult, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's low down the list, but it's, <laughs> it's still on there. <laughs> yeah. And before you were 30 years old, it's not anywhere near a list. No, no, it was never. I mean, I, my garden is now in pieces because I've ripped up all the decking. So that's the next, that's the next challenge. Yeah, very middle-aged problem. Yeah. Um, but today we're going to talk about something different. We're going to talk about blockchain, aren't we? We are. So we've talked about blockchain in the past. Yes probably not as favorably as as we are today because yeah i think having looked at it again and looking at all the failures of previous projects actually there could actually be some good use cases in there and yeah. it, there are some interesting things and it's kind of matured to the point now where you're not just trying random stuff and seeing if it sticks you can actually build upon other people's good work and avoid the mistakes and the rug pulls and mm. all the other stuff that's happened yeah, I think there's there's some quite interesting technical facets to it, but also I think one of the reasons that we wanted to kind of touch on this episode was we've previously kind of talked about it in terms of it being kind of a bunch of Web3 tech bros um, doing kind of stupid or inane things with it. And actually there's a lot of really good uses for it. And, and certainly we're starting to see the future of it looking a lot better than where it came from, uh, you know, in terms of the environment, environmental impact and Things like that. So um, we're going to touch on all those sorts of things. Um, but I think we were going to kind of start by what the hell is it and how does it all work? Yeah, so it first started with um, Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so Satoshi wrote a paper and nobody really knows who he is, but it was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, And it's essentially a distribute database. So every node, every computer mm-hmm. has to agree to the new, new block that's been added mm-hmm. and in bitcoin that's done through proof of work so that's something really computationally expensive um and it's it's a cryptographic function that tries to you try and discover a new block and that's quite hard to do and that's what mining is and yeah that's how that's how they they make sure the rate of blocks being added is slowed down and and everyone can agree so yeah that's been really um computationally expensive to do that yeah um because yeah all the nodes have to agree they all have to start mining coins uh, mining bitcoin it's all changed recently uh with ethereum 
they brought out a new version mm-hmm. and they've moved from proof of work to proof of stake. And proof of stake is where you, as a miner or uh, somebody uh, validating a block, you you stake a little bit of uh, ether, so a little bit of currency effectively, yeah. and say, I'm putting my name to this and this is the amount of money that I'm willing to lose if I'm wrong. Right. basically <laughs> okay and then if other nodes can prove you wrong yeah. then that money gets taken off you right so it's com- it's not very comp- it's much much less computationally expensive it's like 99 percent less energy mm. so it kind of changes the model a little bit like from back when i was sort of dissing it it was like it's big slow it's killing the planet yeah and now it's it's still big and slow, but it's not killing the planet less. <laughs> killing the planet a lot less, yeah. um, especially when you look at like Netflix and video streaming, things like that, pushing bits over the wire is quite, yeah, quite energy. So, so the 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 kind of slowness to generate originally was by design in terms of the fact that we didn't want to make it too easy to generate the currency. That's right. Yeah. So how does this um, proof of state change that? Um, it makes it much quicker to um, add transactions on. Um, but yeah, it's it's a different trust model. So instead of trying to trust things by slowing it down, making it expensive, mm. it's making it expensive in another way. Yeah. Um, in terms of you losing that equity from from your balance, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Which is really interesting. And you, you can still defraud it like if if 51% of the network were in on something mm. they could take it over yeah and that's how you do a hard fork um, right. but yeah it's it's kind of interesting so it's not it's not interesting for a lot of the reasons that the web3 bros think it is i don't think like it's not it's not lots of variations of digital monkeys for the sake of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but it could be really interesting in in situations where there's low or minimal trust between organizations. Mm. Or, and I do think some, there could be an identity thing there as well, like mm. digital identities that are shared. And then that leads into that, the metaverse chat that we had in another podcast episode. Yeah. Like instead of one, one organization owning mm. the data, it's actually shared amongst lots of people. Yeah, true decentralization of, of that. And we're seeing like good ideas around that. Like Threads came out the other week, and that's got a federated servers as well. So mm-hmm. you see next to people's profile names, it's got Threads. Yeah. Dot net or something next to it, hasn't it? Yes. And that is just one, one provider, mm-hmm. and then you could in future add other providers. I don't know how well that'll pan out. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the the, the approach to, to decentralization across social networks, for example, you know Mastodon um, and others. Are, are, Done a really cool thing there, but I think that still, for me, missing that traction in terms of actually for the social aspects of it, for example, you actually want a centralized network. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird compromise in between. Like, do you want the control over your data, or do you want to have that more um, crowdsourced approach to it, or do you want it centralized because actually the the network effects are more powerful if it's in a centralized place? Yeah, and. Yeah, and software development is way easier if it's centralized. Yeah, um, like a million times. <laughs> if you distribute, you saw microservices wavering on my lips. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Microservices and 
um, any sort of distributed compute is tricky. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, I think there, there's a time and a place and yeah, digitally autonomous organizations are, are possible, mm. but really hard because if you get any of your smart contracts wrong, mm. you can't change it. Yeah. Whereas if it's centralized, you can. So you have to sort of, you have to be comfortable throwing away hundreds of years of like law and stuff and replacing it with a smart contract that somebody knocks up over yeah. a few days. Is that going to be as good? <laughs> Probably not. Well, I, th I think the reason we've previously mocked this sort of stuff is because there's a reason that the kind of banking system is the way it is. Um, yeah. I'm not saying it's perfect or great because it absolutely isn't. But there's a reason that some of the guards and, and kind of laws are in place because of some of the lessons learned over hundreds of years, right? Maybe, maybe longer. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that I liked when you were doing the research for this episode is that it's when you look at some of the approaches to different currencies that are designed in this way, or I think Web3 as well, you know, you've mentioned it's a social movement. And I, I quite like the fact that that's an empowerment piece to give creative people the ability to actually truly disrupt a system that is very set in its ways. You know, you yeah. look at some of the early days of Monzo. Um, Tom Blumfeld did an amazing article, I think I sent it to you recently, about the history of Monzo and how it got where it got. Um, oh, yeah. And some of it's about a point in time and you get a bit of luck and you get a bit of a kind of, um, bit of a movement to get around the product. But it's interesting seeing like, you know, I don't think all of Web3 is bollocks. I, I do think the term Web3 is bollocks because I think it's yeah. like gatekeepery. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to be really careful about the use cases. Um, but there are some, and especially in, in industries where people have been fucked over, for want of a better term, like the music industry, where yeah. the musician's the last person to get paid. Mm. So the record company will give you a five-album deal, and then basically you borrow the money, yeah. <laughs> to lend it to yourself, and you never manage to pay it off. And then, and then they own your soul, basically. <laughs> yeah. That is ripe for disruption. Mm. Like what if you could have... Like you've got an initial coin offering, what if you could have a bunch of people invest in an artist mm. and then in the future, if they became famous, you could have a little share of, a reasonable share of their royalties rather than like taking over their whole career. Yeah. Um, but like crowdfunded, but like with a traceability. Yeah. Like that's where the sweet spot is. It's like, it's not that you don't trust one central organization. It's just that maybe the idea wants to outlive any one organization. Yeah, I, I was going to say, because it, it's, it's kind of like the social, we already have the social structures for this in place through crowdfunding, you know, but it's always through a centralized service and broker, right? Yeah. So if there's a way to digitally mark your stake in an artist or an album or whatever, yeah, that could be really cool. Or a, even a particular stem in a track or yeah. you could start breaking it apart even further. But yeah, there's it's ripe, I think. For something like that. That would be amazing on stems, wouldn't it? Think of what it could do for royalties in terms of contributions to a piece of music or something like that. Yeah. And then you'd start opening a rabbit hole of, well, if what about sampling? Like I sample this track and there's a chain of, yeah. you know, that you've sampled it and then the resulting track has 10% royalty for that person in it. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But that could be pretty nuts. So sampling, though, that's a really blurry. Like Ed Sheeran just recently won that court case didn't he oh did he um right. on i think someone i can't remember the exact detail i'm afraid but 
essentially someone was saying that he'd sampled something without proper credit and he was basically took them to court and was like let's talk about sampling <laughs> yeah because it's really really hard to actually do royalties off sampling properly in fact entire genres are based entirely off sampling so, yeah didn't yeah. Fatboy Slim have a track where he just gave away 100% of it because he sampled three or four hours? <laughs> yeah. We just had to split between them. So it's, it's one of those things you don't you don't realise in music how much of music is actually sampled. Um, and there's an awful lot, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that it could be could be a good solution for that. It might overcomplicate it, maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of worms with that one. But um, so, so just back to the kind of uh, conversation we were having before in terms of how does it work. So you discussed a little bit about how how the chain of it works. But if I was going to get involved in this, how would I how would I enter into the space? How would I start to buy um, currency? So the popular options are things like Coinbase. Yeah, as ways in. Um, so reason companies like that are doing really well is they've followed all the know your customer rules really nicely. So they will collect your name, address, passport, scans yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Because the government's really keen. They don't really care what happens to crypto as it's slushing around. Yeah. But they do care when it changes from money into crypto or the other way. Yeah. And that's when they want this log of who the beneficiary was, who the originator was. Yeah. Um, because it could be used for money laundering. Yeah, so, then where I imagine you probably start to implement guards that exist in the current banking system, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so there's a log and the government can request a log in certain circumstances and unpick your finances if you've been bad. Yeah. Um, Which used to be harder to do, right? Because it used to be a lot more anonymous in terms of the kind of access to your digital wallet and things like that. Yeah, the thing... The way I feel about it is that you can you can put all those checks in place, but all it does is move the criminals somewhere else. Yeah. So they'll just get Ethereum for cash in other ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, so by paying private individuals mm. off the record. Yeah, that's true. Um, and things like that. Bank transfers. Laundering through other entities, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just regular criminal enterprise <laughs> just, just your bog standard laundering <laughs> um yeah 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 it's interesting but um, it just makes it more difficult for everyone else but i guess it, it'll catch out stupid criminals yeah which is good i suppose yeah well, uh, yeah i guess so um i mean it's interesting with, with a new technology um it, i guess there's always ways to exploit it and there's ways that people don't fully understand how it can be used against you as well as it can be used for for gain right yeah definitely so kind of in terms of, because you, you have a, a digital wallet, don't you? you? You kind of store everything in a digital wallet. Yeah, so a lot of services that make it easy for you mm -hmm. will will store your wallet on your behalf, and that's where things can go wrong. Yeah. So ideally, you would have your own wallet on your own computer, Yeah. but that adds its own risk. Because if your computer disappears... When your computer disappears. Yeah, <laughs> in your case... Which you know, train you've left it on or something. Yeah, I haven't done that for a while. Um, <laughs> but most people will have some kind of catastrophic computer failure at some point. Yes. Um, whether it's losing it or the yeah. drive's knackered or whatever. Yeah. But you can have a paper wallet, which is a paper backup. So you print it out and you painstakingly type it back in if you need it. That sounds horrendous. Um, but a lot of... Proper crypto nerds do recommend that as a good storage solution. So yeah. They would delete, if they wanted to properly store some wallet on their computer, mm. instead of having it in a file with all the information, 
they'd much rather have it on paper and delete it from their computer. Right. Um, That's the true definition of cold storage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because even like um, Mount Gox at Windbust, they had a cold storage system, they said. Right. Um, but it still involves people and and yeah. it didn't work very well. <laughs> so is, is that the sort of thing like like a will? You'd, you'd print it out, you'd keep it in a fireproof safe? Yeah. I mean, it depends what you're doing. I, I don't know why you would just want to sit on a load of crypto in no. a cupboard, but you might. It's not really good investment, is it? Well, the problem is it's it's so um, it's so volatile. So we're we're seeing you know the the currency gain and lose value at such rapid pace. I think you'd probably want to have it more at your fingertips for trading with it than than be in cold storage, right? Yeah, that's good. That sort of leads on to crypto as investment, which is mm. what everyone jumped on, and is obviously a very bad idea. Mm. Although I did do all right out of it by accident. Mm. Um, <laughs> and because we got in quite early, yeah, it was good. But a lot of people put a lot of money in and didn't do very well. Do you think uh, at the time it was just a bit of luck? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent luck getting in early. But then once the bubble was there, mm. everyone started jumping on the bandwagon. I was getting texts from people that I've not spoken to in years, like. <laughs> How many bitcoins should I buy? I'm like, don't, don't. <laughs> I am not. I'm not going to be your advisor. No, just don't. Yeah. And then weeks later, like loads of people, like, yeah, I've really lost loads of money. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Um, it's so volatile, isn't it? I, I don't even look at the charts anymore. It's just all over the place. It's like someone's <laughs> someone's <laughs> fitness graph from a day. Um, it's all over the place. Um, but yeah, I, I think. It's the same with anything though. Something something becomes trendy and people want to jump on the hype, right? Um, yeah. And that's the thing is it's kind of exercise caution with anything around this sort of new technology because ultimately it's still being, like if you look at the specifications for a lot of this stuff, I, it's still being heavily influenced by lots of conversations. It's, there's no constant yeah. with it yet, right? Yeah. And the W3C is trying to figure out a lot of identity stuff yeah. as is Ethereum. They've got their own ERCs. 725 for user identity stuff but it's all very much work in progress yeah um and yeah i think yeah there are a bunch of good use cases um we just need to make sure that we're, we're doing them in the right way and mm. it's like one of the possible use cases is like if you wanted to have a social good built into buying a product you could you could just put in a smart contract that 25 percent goes to this charity mm. And they'd be able to provably see that that was happening. Yeah. So is there is there a way to make non-corrupt global organisations that do good things for the world? Because mm. uh, you can actually see what's happening. Yeah, it'd be good if you could. I mean, these systems implementing transparency by default in terms of how the actual currency flows through the system. Because um, at the moment, you're basically relying on individual entities to do the right thing and do what they say they're going to do. And, you know, maybe make contributions to certain charities or whatever. Well, you hear horror stories about um, global aid going to a country and then the leaders have got nice cars and stuff. Yeah. So, Or even, uh, what, was the, what was the most recent example in the news of uh, was it Sir Tom who walked around his garden and uh, uh, for that charity drive. Oh, yeah. And uh, they've just got a lovely new pool house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. That yeah. is nice. Maybe. Maybe. Sorry that. <laughs> I mean, if he wants a nice pool house, 
I don't think he's enjoying it, if I'm honest. I Never. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more his daughters really, really making a lot of use of it. Mm. So maybe it would help with those sorts of things. Less good. Less good. Yeah. And like things like, could there be like a blockchain-y Kickstarter-y thing? Uh, I think that's there's some real potential there, isn't there? Yeah. And everyone votes whether the funds are released or... I don't know. It, it's still early days, isn't it? Yeah. It could just come out of the crypto winter of everyone getting screwed over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that's the thing though, is, is kind of, we're waiting now to see some really good implementations like that aren't NFT apes and things like that, that leverage the technology in a positive way. Um, I still absolutely die inside every time I watch that, um, Paris Hilton, Jimmy Fallon, uh, clip. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's when it, when all the hype was going around and basically Paris Hilton, for some reason is on, uh, his, his show being interviewed and she's like, I bought an ape. I'm really proud of this. I really love how this ape has all these colors and clothes and, and Jimmy's like, me too. Here's my ape. And he's like, I just loved it. I really like, I'd like it. It's really good. Isn't it? And she's like, why do you like it? Like, I don't, I really like it. It's good. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like no real reason why they've bought this digital art. Yeah. No real understanding of what it is. They've spent like a quarter of a million on it or something crazy like that. And you kind of like, this is something's in the simulations gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good use case. No. Like, um, yeah. If, if it could be tied to some, something else, there's like, um, you could get access to an event or a membership to a website where you can sign in with your identity once you buy the token. And mm-hmm. like, there are cool use cases there, but it's just, yeah, yeah. it just needs to be more than a link to a JPEG. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen some really nice um, stuff in the in the kind of digital art space, though, um, by people I really respect who have kind of. Um, done some really cool things with it in terms of the crossover between the digital and the physical. Um, One of the most famous ones is Damien Hurst's um, crossover piece where you could buy a piece of art that existed in both the digital and physical space. And if you bought one of them, it would destroy the counterpart. Oh, nice. So you either owned a digital digital Damien Hurst piece or a physical version of exactly the same piece, but you can't own both. Right, yeah. So he showed he showed him burning the, the like the ones that people couldn't have and like Yeah. Which are quite like the kind of statement that's making. And there's audio also amazing um like Nadia Bremer uh, uh and uh I saw Charlotte Dan doing some amazing stuff at the moment with uh, NFT art and stuff. So I, I think there's there's and these these are really beautiful pieces of art. They're not, you know, NFT apes. They really are one of a kind digital pieces of artwork and i think there's a, there's a real space in it for that but sadly i think a lot of that's got a bad name because of the bloody apes <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where all that goes for sure thanks um but yeah is there anything else we've kind of missed in terms of blockchain no i don't think so i think it's yeah exciting times there's obviously there's like a whole new wave of companies coming out like polygon and other platforms that sort of layer two like not directly integrating with the blockchain so it simplifies the development and stuff. Yeah. It feels like there's there's a good movement towards making it mm. simpler, more energy efficient and actually useful. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's, um, we'll put some stuff in the show notes as well around uh, the whole minting process and a lot of the how does it work stuff we talked about earlier on because I think understanding that foundational concept of how of why it's called blockchain and how it all works i think is quite important to understand where where it's going to go in the future Um, yeah definitely instead of just being this magic black box of stuff that you 
throw money into. <laughs> maybe, maybe money comes out of. Yeah, that's it. Um, so yeah, cool. All right. Well, this has been informative for me. Uh, I, I think I'm still not sold on the Web3 gatekeeping, but I think we can save that one for another day. Yeah, let's see how it pans out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, we can revisit this in six months and see where we get to. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Ria. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks very much for listening to this episode on blockchain. Hit subscribe for more episodes and we'll be back soon with the next episode. Cheers.